The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to another edition of Dugout Study Hall, a remedial course in baseball stats and part of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. I'm your host, expert layman Matt Goodwin, joined as always by your fake baseball economist, Alexander Chase. Here to help us out for this one is all-around good dude and baseball analysis extraordinaire, Mike Curland. We're going to talk about lineups, spring training, splits, what matters and what doesn't, the universal DH, and the new unjuiced ball. Most importantly, we're going to talk about how all of this can help you dominate your league. But before we get to all that, Mike, how you doing? Fantastic. Just happy to be here, man. Well, we are excited to have you. Uh, like I was saying before, we uh, we hit the record button here. One of the hardest working guys in the business. So we are absolutely thrilled to have you here with us uh, recording this episode. Alex, how you doing down there in D.C.? You know, I'm, I'm doing pretty well, actually. Thanks for asking. Tell me more about that. Tell me well, more about um, what's going so well for you down there. <laughs> So, uh, fun thing, you know, uh, listeners at home, you'll be a couple of days late, but actually tomorrow I, um, I get sworn in as a citizen of the United States. That's um, fantastic I passed my exam news, last week. Alex. Congratulations. I, Congrats, I don't have man. a round of applause sound effect, Ooh. so I'm just going to clap into the mic here for you. Hold on. I got you. I got you. Where is it? Where is it? I do have sound effects. Oh, I think it's, uh, I'm going to press the wrong one. Oh, I'm ruining it. Okay. I'm watching I'm that, my no, moment. Now it's, I'm on the edge of my seat trying to guess what we're going to get. Yeah, I got it a little bit back there oh man that's upsetting that's it works right. really well on some more than others but yeah i got the sound effects here i wish i it was a sound of, it was a round of applause for you though man congrats yeah to that's awesome. it's super awesome I, sound you effects know. is a level up we gotta that's our next thing well we got our, a totally different sound effect there alex tell us a little bit more about about being sworn as a citizen i didn't mean to step on your toes there steal your thunder this is a big deal i'm really really excited about this for you yeah, yeah. I um so I, I moved to the United States when I was about like a, a year and a half old. Um and I've been a green card holder since the late 90s. Um but I'm finally 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 going to become an actual citizen um Tuesday tomorrow. Uh so this is a real fun thing for me. Uh, my mom actually failed the test whenever I was 17, so I came pretty close once before to becoming a citizen. Uh <laughs> not by any work of my own. You know, like everyone else does for the most part. Well, um, not Alex, I have I have a confession to make. I um I planned on sending you uh, a message last Thursday when I knew that you were taking the test and I totally blew it. I did not do it at all, but I was thinking about you and rooting for you. So I'm going to take some credit for sending positive energy your way. <laughs> Uh, good. so <laughs> good, good. I love yeah, it. there you go. Uh, no, congratulations. That's, that's a really awesome thing. You know, I'm actually very interested in hearing uh, about the ceremony after the fact we could uh, maybe talk about that next time. I'm a social studies teacher. And so these things fascinate me. Well, I will uh, definitely be happy to answer any questions both online and off. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's been something I've been looking forward to since like roughly the eighth grade whenever my middle school social studies teacher like threw a bunch of questions at me that yeah. i would potentially have to answer shout out to middle school social studies teachers everywhere salt of the earth um all right we uh we are so fortunate to have our guest with here with us here tonight uh so mike I, the first thing i wanted to to bring up and let you kind of talk a little bit about is uh spring training uh if you don't know and i don't know how you don't if you don't uh, but Mike has been busting his backside, uh, getting some lineups out there, uh, spring training uh, lineups every day, right, Mike? Every day? 
every day I have this chart that is just the bane of my existence at the point. Um, I it's a, it's definitely a labor of love. I, I definitely started it with the con- with the idea of like it was going to be something like a lot of fun, and it has been. And I've been very mm-hmm. fortunate to get some people behind the scenes to help me with stuff I'm not smart enough to do, like coding and drawing some of the the content off like other sources to put put it in one spot for me. So that's helped cut down some of the time and sure. and it's also helped me add stuff you know I, I update the stats every day so you have fresh spring state spring training stats you can search through on the same chart i created team pages this is all just you know again mining data from other people other people are just giving me these suggestions i'm like you know what i like it i'll run with it but yeah this is a spring training lineup tracker i created with the idea because you know fan fan graphs has it uh Baseball Reference has mm-hmm. it. They have these in-season tools that you can monitor lineups, yeah, kind of yeah. formulate your own idea of what's going on. But I took it. And I was like, you know what? There's nothing for spring training. Let me put mm-hmm. something together. So I every lineup I upload it every day. But the difference is between just being a regular, you know, type of like, hey, you can search lineups. Is I add my notes in there. What I do is I help monitor trends. I, I just tell you, hey, this player's been hitting here this long and through this many starts and like, like Jed Lowry is a guy I got late. I mean, it's not a sexy name. Jed Lowry. Yes. <laughs> he's still playing baseball, but he's, yeah. he might be the number two hitter for the Oakland athletics. And that is intriguing God. in your, in your AL only. Yes. I know. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he might just be it. And even if he's not, it looks like he's, he's already been named the starting second baseman though. So right there yeah. in AL only formats in your draft champions leagues, which I play draft and holds basically is what it, is what it is. In those types of deep league formats where you're drafting 750 players or AL only where you're drafting literally only players in the AL, a guy like that becomes valuable. And if you're following these trends, you see not only is, was there a path to playing time prior to being named the second baseman because he was trending towards being that starter, but then also the fact that he could have a really good lineup spot, that becomes very valuable in these deep formats. Yeah. So, again, that's where a lot of this stuff was like, I was like, let me just start monitoring this but for all three teams and – uh, Roto World, sorry, it was NBC uh, Sports Edge. Yeah, yeah. They are really helpful with the news. So I, you know, I update the news as much as I can, especially now that trends have calmed down. So now I'm just throwing in as much. Hey, like, like yeah, it's a guy hitting the hand today, but <laughs> he's also been said it sounds like a bruise. So I'm just throwing in as much news as I can at this point, try to mm-hmm. give people some actionable data going into these last few days of spring training slash. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I actually have a draft, maybe two more already. I think I have one on opening day morning and one the night before. Wow, wow. that's fantastic. I mean that's that's uh that's about as late as you can get them get them squeezed in there. Oh, but. I couldn't say no. Like more drafts, yeah. yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I've been involved with shockingly few drafts like this week. Um, but uh, the other night I was entering in all of the names for the uh, PL Worst Ball Categories League. Um, and if you're looking for a league where you really want to know who's going to be rostered and who's not, that is it. Because uh, the number of like first and second rounders that have been spent on guys who've already been DFA'd, just just like chef's kiss. So good. <laughs> That's awesome. So let's uh, let's dive a little bit more into spring training here. I know that it's it's been uh, as you described it, the bane of your existence. But um, uh, when we're looking at spring training information, you did touch on this a little bit with somebody like Lowry, where you can get a little bit of separation and value in, in people at that stage of a, of a deep draft. But what in spring training, in your opinion, besides just lineups and, and um, you know, where somebody might be hitting, what is, what is the takeaway from spring training that matters? And what is the, the takeaway from spring training that you think doesn't, doesn't matter quite as much? I don't like to look at just overall stat lines when it comes to pitchers or hitters. Like a lot of times pitchers are just working on stuff. Yeah. Whether it be location, feel for a pitch, a new pitch. It's exciting though. When you see it working guys like glass now with, with the slutter is what he calls it. Yeah. So that's, that's very intriguing. And, and it's funny because you saw again, another, like we talked about him before, but another shout out to Nick Pollock. Uh, he puts out the heat map over, you know, over one of the games and it's like, he's locating where it needs to be utilized, you know? So yeah. seeing glass now utilize the slutter as, as needed gives you reason for optimism, but it's still spring training. Will it sustain that control? Who knows, but positive signs. So it's like, it's hard not to get excited because the production is following, but you also have hitters, you know, getting into the groove of things as well. But then you have Stroman also with, uh, I forgot what his, the new pitch, it was a split change or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's throwing. Mm-hmm. So another guy that's just, it's so intriguing. So that stuff I keep a close eye on, but I don't necessarily take those results and say, Oh, this is it. But yeah things I do look at and a lot of it's for hitters. Like I think walk rate and K rate matter for, for a hitter because you see guys like Christian Yelich last year in 2020, when he entered the season, he was coming off like what? 30 something percent strikeout rate in spring. Yeah, and it yeah. never, or even summer never camp really was better. And, yeah. And he never regained form. Now maybe he would have had, he had time, 
whatever though. But this happened yeah, yeah, with yeah. Travis Shaw is another example of this a couple years mm-hmm. ago. Travis Shaw coming off a great year, messed like couldn't find his swing in spring, and he it, it, it followed him into the twenty I think twenty nineteen season, and he's never yeah. been able to regain form. So stuff like walk and strikeout rates, I look at those a lot. And then overall stolen bases, not a player necessarily, but just a team. I like to think like if if, mm. if a team is allowing their players to run in spring when it doesn't matter, yeah, it gives me a reason to believe that they're gonna run in, when it matters. So guys, it seems like the Rangers, teams like the Marlins right now. We wait, see wait, wait, guys. You're saying that games are going to matter for the Rangers this year? <laughs> the games are gonna be attempting count. To matter. They're gonna count. They're gonna count. Go. <laughs> games that count. Sorry, you're right. Games that matter and count are good. Good. Good catching me on the terminology there. Games that count. <laughs> but in all seriousness, though, you look at stolen bases, and I'm I look at them like it usually wouldn't matter to me. But in spring, when again you're allowing players to risk injury unnecessarily, suggests to me you're letting them get into that. Mindset of all right, let's get ready to run. Guys like Starling Marte for the Marlins, like right. I know he's not a sexy pick anymore, but just what just 2020, he was going late second, early third. Now he's falling mm-hmm. to the fourth or fifth, and he's three and oh on slow bases in spring. Last I looked, uh, Jazz Chisholm just made the team for the Marlins. He was right. running crazy. He ran, he stole three bases in one game. <laughs> so you just like my point is, is there's like with stolen bases being such a premium, you get these teams like the Rangers, like the Marlins. I think the Mariners are also still being aggressive in spring that are showing their hands, so to speak, with a willingness to run. And a team like the Marlins, as much as we love their pitching, their offense isn't great. They're going to have to chase runs. That division is tough. The Rangers, you mentioned it. You literally just made fun of them because they're going to suck. <laughs> but guess what? They're running. So you know yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. Hey, take this on bases. Target them. You know, Absolutely. And there's a lot of very, very discounted players on that team, on that roster. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, that's I, so that's the big thing. Stolen bases, I think, and like I said, walks and care rates for hitters, pitchers. I just don't know. I honestly, what do you guys think about pitchers? Because I feel like a lot of it's just it's it's tough. Like please sack, I, I don't know what to do with him. I feel like the sort of things that I know don't matter are the things, or like is a much longer list than the things yeah. that I do no do matter. Um, you know, because like you got all sorts of different reasons why things can be lying to you, right? People can be trying different stuff out. People can be like, okay, what happens if I throw my curveball in an like up in the zone and an account. I've never tried this before. What happens? And, you know, <laughs> and suddenly then, someone else and then, has a nice highlight. PSAC has a spring training. Like, yeah, it's like, right. Like, yeah. And then, yeah. but then I pose this like today, for instance, we're not, we're, we're going to sit here and write off spring training. Oh, it's just spring training. But when the counter argument be, I, I was playing devil's advocate. I literally was just tweeting about this before we came on. When the devil's advocate be like argument be PSAC has had eight. We're, we're ju- we judged him so harshly in a positive manner off eight starts in 2020. But now we're looking at six starts in spring training, and those don't matter. So why does one matter so to a point where we pushed him up to a top 50 pick initially? He was like a top 55 pick in, in early ADP. Now he's around 100, but still a top 100 pick based on eight starts, but we're not willing to knock him down a little bit based on six spring training starts because spring training just doesn't matter all of a sudden. Like, yeah. I, I get it doesn't matter as much, but 2020 for Plesak, he faced arguably the easiest division, arguably had like, I mean – he was throwing a new pitch mix that no one's seen before. So I understand the reason for optimism, but now teams have had a chance to watch film. Teams have had a chance to adjust. So I'm not saying I'm out on police act based on six spring training starts, right? but why does eight, why does eight starts dictate one huge jump in ADP, but six has no real influence. Yeah. And the yeah. narrative there is, is probably an important part of it. If we had a story uh, that goes along with it to explain it. That helps. Um, I haven't seen you know. anything. That's all. That's the thing. So, right. Yeah. There's nothing out. Alex, Is there something? Oh yes. Actually, I think there's one thing that I'd be really, uh, really worried about. And, uh, there's a guy named Steven Strasberg. You might have heard about. Oh, yes. I feel like fits yeah. into this, right? Uh, you know, his his velo is down a whole lot, and he's not striking anyone out. And there's zero part of me that thinks that he's trying something out new where he throws the ball slower. Um, yeah, like generally not the like experiment that a pitcher is going through <laughs> in, at any point, even in except for Grinky. Only Zach Grinky does that. That's the Zach Grinky yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and that's the sort of thing. If you're just like always asking yourself, like, how can my data be lying to me? Like, there's so many different reasons why you could figure out why, like, uh, Plesak's spring trading data would be a little bit less beautiful than you want it to be. Um, or where you could like maybe think like, you know, Freddie Peralta's new slider, he's going to be good. The ERA just isn't there yet. But you can't tell yourself that the, you know, like pitch velo is just going to jump a time. Yeah. Like you can't. That's sure. a good one. Uh, and Strasburg, I think it's like since he went out, he went out with that injury, or whatever, and it was a calf and he ruptured mm-hmm. a tendon that doesn't matter. I think it matters for four <laughs> miles per hour's worth. 
Like, yeah. there's something yeah. obviously going on there because the velo was there before the injury, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So there That's you go. So, yeah, yeah, that ruptured tendon doesn't – yeah, my butt. I mean, people don't think about lower body injuries for pitchers as much as arm and shoulder Dude. injuries, but it, your your torque, your your power, your landing, I mean, it's where everything's coming from. People don't from, realize so definitely pitchers – yeah, pitchers sit into their glutes, like, all the time. Yeah, 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 pitch, most so. definitely. Um, you know, I think a lot of this too, we, we fall victim even in season to recency and confirmation biases all over the place. And sometimes that plays a bit in and for every, I can't believe I'm going to say this word is is something I've, I've said now out loud in my life, but for every slutter that's out there, uh, just for clarification, we're talking about a pitch here. Uh, there's probably somebody working on something and it doesn't take in spring training, right? That we don't hear as much about because it's not working. Uh, so I, I guess the story does matter a bit there. Um, but I think you're right. And, you know, if you're looking at eight games versus six games, it, it might not be the same six games, but it's not nothing. It's not nothing. Um, all right, Mike, we do a segment here, uh, we call number of the week. And so I'm going to throw this number out and shift gears just a little bit. Um, because I think this is another element of something that you're in on and talking about a lot. Uh, and that number is 67. And what that number represents is the number of different splits you can sort by on Fangraph's leaderboards. 67. I counted them one by one, and I did it twice just to make sure I got it right. Um, Somebody out there I'm sure will point out if it's actually 66 or 68, and I just counted wrong twice. That would be embarrassing, but we're going to rock 67. Uh, Which matter? Which don't? Do they all matter in different contexts? What are the splits that you're really looking for to make meaning of either in spring training or regular season? Oh man, that's uh, you're you're right. That's a loaded question. Um, oh man, I, I honestly am not a huge fan of splits because I think they all focus on such small sample size, and it really frustrates me. Now, when you're getting into like DFS or streaming pitchers or hitters, I think it matters on a smaller sample size. Maybe a team that's running hot against lefties or a team running hot against righties. Mm-hmm. And there are obviously like outliers. We have players like what Mike Brasso that uh, is really solid against lefties, so you know he'll be out there. So you got to see how teams also treat that. Like you can't just go into like, oh, well, this guy obviously hits lefties well, but if his mm-hmm. team's not playing against lefties all the time, then you can't stream them. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm sure I'm, one of you guys are going to mention something, and I'm just not. I'm like, oh yeah, that does matter. But like right now, <laughs> thinking about it, thinking about it right now, it's like it's it's. I'm having a hard time pinpointing it, but. I, I I know I would like to hear what your thoughts are. Yeah, let's turn this over to in. Alex. I feel yeah. like he's bursting at the seams to share something. <laughs> so, here. He's going to explode um, if we don't give him a little space. Oh boy. Um, yeah. So I, I'm not going to pat um, anyone on the back too hard here, Mike. Um, but actually, one of the reasons why I'm so interested in like a lot of the lineup adjacent stuff out there is because I think the the simplest split out there possible is the one that I care about a lot most, which is just like. Um, how do like league wide righties hit versus righty pitchers versus lefty pitchers and vice versa. So like, if I remember correctly, the number of like PAs that you need before you can trust someone's lefty righty splits more than just like using league average. And that's what we talk about. when We talk about like stat reliability like, when can you trust it? It's like, okay, when is someone's particular split stats more reliable than just using league average is like five or six seasons worth of, of data. So, like, you should basically never trust that someone, uh, Rowdy Telez, for example, um, is a reverse splits hitter until they've been doing it for 10 years. Um, but what that means, then, is you're trying to find a team that's uh, supposed to be good against righties or lefties, is you can just count up the number of right-handed or left-handed or, like, switch but secretly right-handed or left-handed hitters. And, like, you know, last year, uh, this is, like, a big sexy topic um, that, like, the White Sox are so good against lefties. Well, they are starting, like, seven right-handed hitters, even when they were playing against righties. Like, of course they were going to, like, demolish a bunch of lefties. That's what the split said that they were going to do. If you just looked at, like, the simplest, I don't even have to look it up myself version of things. Now, um, I love to go verify that. So, like, whenever I was, like, looking up a picture, picture last year to figure if I want to stream him, you know, I, I would check out, like, Chris Bassett's... Um, like numbers but then i would go look up at his opponent and see how like the uh angels were playing against righties versus how they're playing against lefties and i found like that's one of the coolest things you can do with the splits tool but if you're like informed by that well yeah if you can see the pitch coming beforehand rather than it being released literally behind your back like if you're right-handed and you're facing a right-handed pitcher and that guy's standing over there on the third base side, you can't see that pitch until it's like halfway across the plate, basically. Mm. And that's why these splits 
exist. We can talk about them with like real eye test speak. And like, instead of sounding like idiots, we can say like, no, my eyes don't deceive me. That ridiculous letter that um, <laughs> Tyler Glasnell is throwing, I can't see the damn thing until I'm already struck out. Um, so in that case, like a lot of the who's hitting at the top of the order and why in different places are really predictable because these managers know these things. And as long as they're not the Rockies or other predictably non-smart teams. <laughs> We're up to two, you know, by the way, two teams that Alex has made fun of so far. Two. Let's see where we land by the end of the uh, by the end of the episode. Yeah, well, well, that's always worth tracking. <laughs> <laughs> I got a tally. I got a tally going on right here. Here we go. We need a sound effect for it. Um, all right, so we're gonna <laughs> excellent, perfect. Uh, we are going to get into what we call our central question. We have tried to have in, in the middle of our our episode that kind of drives the content for our whole episode, and that's. Now we've talked about lineups. We've talked a little bit about splits. We have the the weekly lineups. We have daily lineups. We have DFS. So there's a lot of stuff out there. You can go in whatever direction you want here, Mike. But the question really is about how we can use lineups and splits so that we get an edge where our league mates maybe aren't diving into this. So uh, again, we could talk format. We could talk DFS. We could talk different kinds of splits. But maybe uh, whichever direction you want to go, how does this help me in my league, in my home league, my 12-team league, my 15-team Roto league? How does it help me beat them? I look at – it almost is like taking pretty much what, what, what he was saying. He has an Alex. Alex or Alexander, what do you prefer? I, gotta I, ask I like that. soft prefer Alexander, but I'm never picky, and I try I gotta, not to I gotta, be mean. Well, I I just like to just like just like a player, I like to say a person's name. So I'm gonna go with Alexander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if that's what you prefer, that's what you're getting. So as Alexander said, uh, I'm big on just honestly. If you look at just simple, if you break it down, starting with just how a team hits a certain uh, lefty right-handed pitcher, right? Then you want to see well, why are they hitting this player or why are they hitting this side of the ball so well? And then who is the reason behind why they're hitting the ball so well? Mm -hmm. So a guy like Austin Slater, you see, he's crushing in spring, crushing in 2020. Will he come in as a lefty specialist type of deal to start the year? And if so, look ahead of time. And for daily purposes, Austin Slater is probably going to be hitting closer to the top of the lineup against lefties versus the bottom if he plays it all against righties. At least there's an opportunity for him to hit closer to the top, I should say, against left-handed pitchers. So Slater's a guy. For instance, if you see, like I said, daily lineups, you see a weak lefty up, left, lefty up to pitch, he's a perfect guy to stream for that day. Mm -hmm. Whereas yeah. if, say, say it's like TGFBI where – or draft champions format, anything where you change out, you know, in the middle of the week, like on a Friday. Yep. If you see there's three lefties in the first half of that week, you might want to stream them for the first half of that week and hope that he catches an extra start against a righty if he's running hot. So yeah. stuff like that. That's where I let like the lefty already splits kind of guide me. Cause I'll look at lefty already splits for which team is for, for the team, look at their matchups for the week. And then also I'll look at pitchers. I'll look, I'll look on the other end of like, okay, fine. He has four lefties, but if they're all studs, I'm not going to start a lefty streamer, <laughs> a guy who hits a lefty against four stud lefties on, like, because right. he's facing <laughs> just how, the way it works out. So it, it's really, you go really in depth, but um, I'm actually trying to try it out. Cause my buddy, I, I'll shout out Mike Simeone over there, SP streamer, <laughs> go, go figure yeah. him and I for, uh, for a little bit came up, like he helped me come up with this like daily hitter streaming chart. Like him mm -hmm. and I were just kind of going through the idea. So I'm going to try to toy with that this year. I've done it for a year. Like I did it for a little bit last year. I did it for a little bit in 2019. I just never stuck to it because it, I just got kind of bored to be honest. <laughs> yeah. But now yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm at the point where I'm like, all right, I got to test this thing out. So it's going to be daily mm -hmm. and the, some of the stuff I'm looking at. So we'll go through daily real quick. I like to focus on more immediate outcomes than like two week sample sizes. Cause if you look at two week sample sizes for a player, it could be heavily carried from the seven days of the first, like the first seven days of that two week right, period. Right. Whereas yeah, the yeah, last, the last seven gives so you so many reasons why it can be lying to you. So that's why I like to look at last seven because last seven gives you an sure, indication sure. of what happened in the last seven. Now, obviously I'll get a little more deeper. Was it one big game? Was it a couple games? So you obviously want to go a little deeper, but the last seven, I think tells a better picture in terms of daily streaming than, you know, than the last 14. Then obviously mm -hmm. left the righty splits home and away. I usually, I don't, Think it makes a huge difference, but like cores. If you have a player in cores, obviously huge plus. Player in St. Louis, you probably want to drop them a little bit because St. Louis is terrible for hitters. Yeah, yeah. So stuff like that. Yeah, no one ever talks about that too. Like, <laughs> it sucks. People don't know how bad St. Louis is. Like, yeah. you look at Azuno, what happened there? Arenado's yeah. going there. Look what's going yeah. on. Like, oh, man, it's not good. Um, another big thing is opposing bullpen ERA. I think that's under looked at, underutilized. Because guess what? The stars only go what five to six innings in a given. Right. Right. In a given game, 
the opposing the opposing bullpen ERA can give you that like your stream. If you're looking for a streamer, obviously it's a low, low rostered player, right? So any edge you can get, opposing bullpen ERA could be that edge because if a team has a, an atrocious bullpen like the Mets have had for years, usually Degrom <laughs> gives you six solid innings. Guess what? Degrom comes out, they crush the relief pitching. Degrom loses his win. It's a known story at this point. Yeah. My point is, though, there's a lot of teams like that. So if you can target a bad pitcher with a bad bullpen, it's a win-win for especially for daily. Yeah. Alec, what's your take on all on all of this when you're making your decisions? I, I feel like a lot of the things that I care about are kind of like born out of the, you know, like kind of watching Mike come onto the scene as someone who's like a person who talks about fantasy and realizing that I should trust what he has to say because he's saying smart things, but also just putting in the work to pull, to pull out stuff that like I would also want to be pulling out if I had the energy to do all of the crazy things he does. So um, <laughs> this is all stuff that's really worth caring about. And, and I think that's like something I'll, I'll sometimes catch someone who I think is really smart, who's like working on a project and like, why do you care about this? It doesn't help you um, at all. Like there are a lot of people who will be chasing a project where they look at like figuring out someone's future, like Xwo bacon. I'm like, yeah, cool. Um, that doesn't give you a single piece of additional information that makes you better at fantasy or real baseball. Yeah. Whereas knowing stuff like this is huge. So like last year I went and streamed Mike Brousseau on his like monster day last year. I was so proud of it. (laughs) The mates were so pissed at me. Um, but like just knowing those sorts of things are really important. Um, so like, I feel like I take a much longer term view. Like I will throw out hot and cold streaks from recency because I feel like they can still often be um, littered with just examples of data that you shouldn't buy into. But the same sorts of process aside from that, I feel like we're in the same mindset and I'm going to be wrong different times than maybe someone like Mike may be wrong, but like so much of everything else. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing is when you're looking for like streamers, you're going to be wrong anyway. So you don't hate yourself. You're like, yeah, my lineup spot sucks here at second base. How can I find a guy who <laughs> Jed Lowry? <laughs> yeah, that's not gonna there help. You, there way. you exactly go. We have a terrible, terrible second base spot in our um, pitcherless podcast league, so uh, we might look at him. <laughs> um, yeah, we uh, we punted steals, and I don't think he'll be stealing much. So no, um, I'm surprised he's playing <laughs> much, to be honest. God. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. I don't know. Like we look at this. Like I'm trying to figure out. Like oftentimes how to not be wrong as much as i'm trying to figure out how to be right about stuff and the only way is by testing the theory like i put this chart together and that's why i feel i need to give it a true go Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. i still i've Mm -hmm. seen success i've seen fails with it the issue is is also with it with it with daily stuff you tend to run into a lot of repeat names a lot of repeat customers so to speak and i try Mm -hmm. i think that i think that makes for boring content too but sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes boring is good. When Mitch Moreland is up against the lefty, or uh, oh, righty, sorry, he's the lefty. When Mitch Moreland yeah, is yeah, facing yeah. a righty, it's hard not to play, play him because you know, especially if it's a bad righty, and it's at cores this year because it's probably going to be at cores sometimes because he's playing in that division now. Yeah. Or is he? Wait, where is he? Is he in San Diego? Am I all over the place where Richard Moreland's at? I have no idea yeah. who oh, Mitch, Mitch Moreland, Moreland is playing is baseball well traveled. Uh, but, you know, while you're doing that and taking a look, I will say this. You, you never know who it is that's looking Oakland. on a given day. Oakland, yes. Oakland. I know I see him somewhere. He'll so, yeah, you'll see him. in some places where he'll he'll, uh, he'll have great days. And, um, y- you know, I might be coming and looking at your feed today for advice on streaming, but I wasn't there last Tuesday when you said Mitch Moreland. So, for me, that's not boring. That's great advice. So, um, I think that there's there's the piece of like when you're the creator, you're seeing every single thing that you're putting out. Uh, but the consumer um, is is not necessarily on that same journey with you, and they're going to be appreciative of having good, solid information. So uh, I think there's a lot of value in doing that. But I can also understand exactly what you're saying in terms of for you as the person doing it, a little bit of monotony may be there. But I just feel like it's also cheap. Like, okay, I, I'm going to pitch. I'm going to pick Mitch Moreland for the next three days because he's facing three terrible righties. Sorry, not in not in Colorado, but somewhere else like yeah, on the West right. Coast. It doesn't matter yeah. though. You know, but it's, it's if like, it's good information, it's not cheap. Yeah. It's you know, it's good and it's it's, it's just on. like you said. It's a on this side of things, but at the same time, it's part of the process. I mean, that's what happens when you're trying to do daily hitters. That's why pitching is a lot more fun to stream because it's new yeah. names every day. It's a new challenge every day. Hitters, I think it gets a little, it gets a little just land. And I hate to say that because I'm a hitting guy. I know pitchers are like the sexy thing, and rightfully so. I mean. It's not every day you see Devin Williams throw whoever that pitch is. I still don't know. I still don't believe there's a, there should not be a classification for what it's called. Like there just shouldn't. It's ridiculous. But there's nothing better in baseball than seeing that. But then also on the flip side, when a hitter 
gets a hold of that, it's that much more impressive. So right. there's going to be still yeah. in all seriousness, though, streaming a pitcher is just sexy. Streaming a hitter is not. And that's why it's part <laughs> of it. I think that plays, I think it seriously plays into it. Well, and cool. but that's also maybe why there's not that many people out there doing it, right? Yeah. And and it's it's a it's useful. It's very useful information. So, um, I mean, like spring training, there's like you said, it was something that wasn't out there. You did it, and there are a lot of people talking about it and using oh, it. So dude, it's it's my, it's been my the reception's been absolutely amazing and mind blowing, and honestly, still surprising. Yeah, yeah. So with that in mind, uh, I mean, I followed a lot of your work last year. I'm not trying to copy any of the work you're doing this year, but I'm definitely going to be looking out for a lot of the same stuff. I'm Mm -hmm. kind of curious, like what sort of things that maybe frequently have come up, are you trying to warn people not to overreact to um, in terms of like lineups and everything else about like just uh, cheap hitters or like watching people's stock rise? Oh man. See, I'm, I'm on the, I've been on the end of, Hey, this guy needs to move up your rankings. Like I was big on like, just so you guys know, Kike Hernandez is probably leading off. Got a lot of pushback, but Kike <laughs> Hernandez is probably going to lead off. And so I've been, it's been, I've noticed there's been more of that, more mm. of me finding things that are like, wow, this is surprising. You should really watch this. Hey, Cedric mm-hmm. Mullins really has a, has a hold on the center field job. Hey, Cedric Mullins uh, really has a hold of the center field job. That's, that's an <laughs> Orioles fan groaning right here. Yes. Um, <laughs> but hey, but Austin Hayes has looked good. So and it looks like Hayes has worked his way into everyday playing time anyway. Yeah. Because the glove yeah. is going to play in the outfield. So I think Santander ends up DHing more than we realized. But regardless, of stuff like that. But a guy I'm trying to think of that might have gained helio maybe too much is like Aaron Hicks. Because I think mm-hmm. Hicks, I, I think we all know the potential of what could be batting third in the, in the Yankees lineup. Yeah. But we also know Aaron Hicks at this point, right? Like, yeah, it's hard to buy in that he's going to stay healthy. But he was initially a value and he still might still be. He still might still be, I guess. As I'm trying to think if I phrase that right. It's just tough. So I'm not even sure that's a good name. I'm trying to think of. I'm really looking at it. Honestly, it's harder. Again, it's harder to find players that are on that end of it versus finding them like maybe someone. I'm trying to think of value. So, I'll look for some names if anything pops so, up. But. I remember this last season, and I've talked about this a couple times. Um, I don't know where you landed on this in particular, but the Rockies were letting um, Garrett Hampson beat off for a couple games last year um, after they played like four consecutive lefties, and he, a right-handed hitter, played well against four consecutive lefties. And there was all this, oh my God, he's leading off. It's yeah, going to happen. He's a thing. Everyone go get your shares. Breakthrough. Yeah, it happened but, in like, spring. We'll talk yeah, about yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah but like it was one of those where you're like oh yeah teams have different lineups versus different sides of the bound or whatever how you want to i don't even know how sides of the mound that is that's we've coined a phrase here tonight uh for better and for worse (laughs) um but you know like if you're paying attention to why these lineup changes happen like you would have some doubts about him keeping a hold on that job going forward Mm -hmm. right so like is there anything else like that that like we should be on the lookout for or that you tend to notice whenever you're like pouring over these same lineups or similar lineups every day for a couple months last year? Um, yeah, see, I, I honestly, I kind of did myself a disservice. I think doing it daily on Twitter, the way I was doing it was actually doing me a disservice because I actually lost track of trends. Where, mm, and that's really? where the chart, that's where the idea of the chart came from. Cause I'm like, I can't keep up with this stuff. And honestly, I was actually unaware of how good there were of tools out there. No one told me this uh-huh. stuff. I, <laughs> yeah. So I found it the wrong way. Yeah, so, uh, I, I, f- I feel like I've, like, in the past few days here, found out about some of the really cool stuff that, like, uh, Fangraph's roster resource has. Like, they have, like, a um, chart of, like, upcoming pitchers, and one of the things they do is they note the handedness of all these pitchers on the chart. Mm-hmm. So if you want to see, like, okay, the uh, Chicago White Sox are going to face four lefties in the upcoming week, or, like, on a particular Tuesday, like, here are all the teams that are facing lefties, expect their b team lineups basically mm-hmm. so that you can expect these right-handed guys they were typically on their bench to be playing like guess what i'm gonna be doing at 8 a.m every morning i'm gonna be looking exactly. for that <laughs> and trying to figure out which right-handed guys who normally are really mediocre or don't start that i should care about that day you know you don't have to be that smart <laughs> to be able to just go find those things if you know that's a thing to look for um and fan graphs just like doesn't tell us this in the same way that i feel like they could just scream this to the heavens for how cool it is well, yeah, and that's and so I found that's why I was like lineup stuff. The more I've dug in, just because I find there to be some hidden, especially like in deeper formats where there's fab and stuff. Again, going back, just Jed Lowry's in my brain right now. He's 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 living up the rent free right now. But a guy like him, say it wasn't Jed Lowry. Say it was, say it was Hampson. I know we talked about Hampson, but say it wasn't just left-handed pitching. He was crushing. He did really well against righties all week. They were playing him consistently. He was hitting towards the top of that lineup. 
stuff like that for a Hampson type, for a guy who's running hot matters in fab matters in daily. And that's the type of stuff. And then but what I started doing more so is mining the data, mining the news, so to speak, Jeff Zimmerman shout out there. You start looking for man. I started I, in my article too. I include any manager, any manager quotes I can find mm-hmm. from that week, because what I think it, I think it matters. I mean, and a lot of stuff like little things like Mike Trout's going to be batting third this year, which was like this last article. I couldn't get it out and I just didn't have time to be, and I just be honest, but Mike Trout's batting third, not a huge deal, but except for when you realize he's been batting second for a long time. So now yeah. the runs, the runs should stay the same because he's still going to have the great lineup support, but now he should gain some RBI. But he might lose mm-hmm. some base opportunities. So, and no one expects him to run anymore anyway. So that's fine. If you're if you're not expecting him to run, you're not getting Trout. That's going to definitely get a hundred RBI batting behind Otani and Fletcher. That's like zero doubt in my, my mind. So, yeah. but then Jordan Alvarez. People were like, "Oh, why is Alvarez batting sixth? If you read, the, if you found like, not only is he trending that way, but it's like, why? What's going on? Is it just because the team's loaded? No, it's actually if you actually read, a Baker actually was quoted as he's hitting him at lower in the lineup until he gets going essentially. So just something mm-hmm. as simple as that, a reason is yeah. like, so if you, so when Alvarez moves back up, we know it's because he's playing well and the, and then you should also draft him knowing there's a chance or the expectation that Alvarez is likely going to move back up to fourth and such. So stuff like that, you just, like I said, it's not just about monitoring the trends, but you want to try to find some type of tangible data point to pair with it in terms of like, even if it might just be coach speak or GM speak, you still want something that gives you a little extra something, something that extra help you believe in it. A little, that little bit of narrative that explains yeah. something so that you have a reason for it, as opposed to just observing something that could be an aberration. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. but, but at the same time, some, so you got to act on those instincts sometimes. Cause I, I'm giving you examples of me finding quotes I haven't found anything all season. I'm trying to think, oh, about Carlson batting seventh. Like We actually had quotes at the beginning of the spring or prior to spring training. Carlson was possibly going to be leading off or hitting second in this lineup. Yeah. We've yet mm-hmm. to see that in any lineup. Like I, I think that's the name that we, going back to. I think what you asked me in terms of players that might have lost value or whatever. I forgot how the question was phrased. Kyle yeah, Carlson. yeah, that's actually a good, good uh, callback there. Um, uh, I feel Carlson's- like this brings me to something else. I'm really curious about because you're talking mm-hmm. about how like we have a lot of unanswered questions um, about mm-hmm. uh, him and St. Louis in general. So kind of like taking this and just running straight into like the analysis portion because I feel like That's we good. got a really uh, solid grip on like the fundamentals that you're trying to flex here for the next few minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, which teams do you feel like you have like the most unanswered questions about? They're like you're going to be watching the most for the first couple weeks of the season. Uh, it's i mean it's always the rays right <laughs> the rays are always up there <laughs> although like they, they were playing susugo there was they were talking about susugo being a leadoff guy yeah. and they said it today even apparently susugo could actually lead off i thought that, and it's crazy because susugo hasn't exactly done anything to do that or earn it <laughs> in spring either i think they wanted Choi there Choi was a guy that they were in 2020 showing a willingness to put lead off but he's out with the injury. So Susugo mm-hmm. seems to be there. But Margot mm-hmm. has been performing. I'm surprised Margot's not getting that chance. And although we've seen Margot up there as well, maybe it's a lefty righty thing because Susugo won't lead off against lefties. But mm-hmm. Margot sure, could. Sure. Margot could, though. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. it could be those two flip flopping. But I think the only thing we know is in the top four, we will see a version of Brandon Lau, Meadows, and a Rosarania somewhere in that top four. That's like all we know about this team, though, because yeah. the team is wild. Um, that's like the one that comes to mind right away. Other than that, most teams are honest. Maybe the Brewers are actually kind of, and the Brewers and D-backs actually. The Brewers we kind of know the top four because mm-hmm. they just they have that's all they have in that lineup yeah. is the top mm-hmm. four, and after that it's kind of like <laughs> against the wall. And then, um, but then definitely the D-backs because of the injuries. Nick mm-hmm. Ahmed's been like in and out. We don't know if he'll be ready for opening day. Josh Rojas should play shortstop. Azul Cabrera is going to play second, and then fill in the blank in right field between like Castro, Pavin Smith, or whatever. When all these guys get healthy, then we'll see the we'll see is is Cabrera and Rojas going to enter a platoon? Is Rojas just going to take the job and play full time? Because we know Rojas usually will stick to the strong side of a platoon if anything, because he's a lefty bat. So the, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a lineup I'm keeping a lot of focus on. The White Sox, I would have been one for that two spot, but with all the injuries, yeah. we're seeing that kind of happen. But although it looks like they're actually going to give a lot of opportunity, at least enough to Andrew Vaughn in order to get outfield eligibility, which is actually an under discussed thing. Because now he's going to go just first base (laughs) to first base left field and break camp with the team, which that's something I was actually kind of wrong about. I was really surprised. Like I honestly thought they were going to just do the Chris Bryant treatment, send him down for two weeks and bring him up. Um, Yeah. 
Well, Eloy deciding oh, to run into a wall and, and separate yeah. his pectoral muscle from his body Ugh, probably has so something painful. to do with that. <laughs> yeah, and the Giants, dude. I think the Giants are trying to be the Rays really bad. If you go look at the Giants, over like they almost have like an 18-beat eight, team in spring, and they're just throwing like every other day. different that Same two lines every other day, occasionally mixing them. With all the injuries, with all the, the potential for platoons there, that's a messy lineup I want no part of. Like, I'll take a shot on Slater deep in – I even said, Slater, put him on your watch list because if you can get everyday playing time – the tools mm-hmm. are there, but the playing time is just a big question because the Giants, Gabe Kapler is trying to be the Rays and he can't be. Those are a few. Those are a few obvious. And of course, it's always the Rockies, but yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah, just, I think I that know. kind of brings me to like a different discussion where like mm-hmm. it's kind of not easy to figure out what uh, is going on with the Giants because they think they're being really smart. Whereas <laughs> with the Rockies, like you don't reasonably expect that you can get into their mindset. I'm not even going to pretend that I'm going to be able to get into Tony LaRusso's mindset uh per se well, there were some that reports might be that in some Eaton... dangerous territory you might need to drink a little bit first <laughs> um <laughs> no 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 <laughs> um but yeah there were the reports that adam eaton might bat second because he can bunt um, yes which i mean i understand that that excites um some people who've played third base for the yankees and A-Rod, might upset yeah. anyone else um <laughs> God, just reading that made me cringe a lot, and I'm still not over it. But, you know, do you try to do anything a little bit differently? I realize you were saying that you weren't necessarily seeing the forest for the trees a lot last year because you were working yourself so hard. But, like, kind of getting into the spring mindset, do you have any sort of, like, um, adjustment for expectations for, like, dumb teams versus smart teams? Or do you kind of just throw out your hands up in the air like the rest of us? I, I think some of them show a little bit, but most of the time it really is... Like I'm, I try really hard and I miss. Like the way, the way, for instance, the Rockies. They, it makes no sense why Hampson's not playing regularly in center field anymore. Mm-hmm. They they gave him like the first two weeks. Like hey, here, this is your job. Run with it. And he ran with it. He played yeah. so well. And then they said, watch this. Never mind. Hilliard, yep. Hilliard was in center field for like two weeks after that. I'm like, all right, cool. So I was initially wrong, which means maybe Hilliard has it. Or then I came to the realization, oh, they probably just want to see what they have in both of them, right? Hampson has far and by a long shot, at least by, in my opinion, by a long shot, have outproduced him in spring. And spring training stats don't matter, except for when there's a position battle, I would say. That's probably like the one yeah. time they do matter. And Hampson has outperformed uh, Hilliard, but we've seen Chris Owings play center field down the stretch here. I'm like, what the heck is going on? I have no idea. And Chris, and again, Chris Owings could be that guy that just throws a wrench into everything because they seem to really like Chris Owings. And All of a sudden, be- they're just going to play the long play and bring up the backup catcher from the AAA team to play center field. Yeah, that was uh, what Chris they were planning Owings, but, all along. Yeah, because Chris Owings is a guy that they seem to really like and want to plug in everywhere. And he should be a super util type. He should be like this year's Chris Taylor type, you know, for a team, mm-hmm. which goes back to the Dodgers. The Dodgers are a very smart team, but I couldn't tell you who's starting for second base. I think it's Lux, but Taylor has not gone like spring training stats don't matter again. But in this case, you would think it might because, oh, well, if Lux struggled, he'd be sent down. Lux has looked great. Yeah. Do you mess with a young kid's confidence to keep what you like in Chris Taylor? In the lineup, Chris Taylor has crushed. I think the OPS of like over like one point three something crazy. I mean, and Lux, I think AJ Pollock will just get hurt, and that'll simplify everything. That's <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. There's gonna be an injury or two, but it's the it's just I, I hope they let, again because Lux that I think a confidence to a young player like that matters. So if Definitely. You, if, you, if you have well, a, if you have a hot spring, you come into the regular season with that coming off the hot spring, you would think that the confidence follows. Yeah. And they've already kind of messed with him a little bit, right. With bringing him up and down. Now he didn't perform, so he didn't earn his way, but, but still, I mean, you want to, you want to give somebody like that regular at bats and see what they can do. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, we've talked about teams. Are there players in particular that you're excited about? Even if it's not a, a lineup thing, just players that you're really excited or still have questions about that. You're really excited to see the, the season start. Austin Slater. <laughs> I can't talk about him enough. I don't know what it is. I think because he was one of those guys that you saw he kind of cleaned up his mechanics a little bit, kind of um, like was taking that step forward last year. Again, power speed is very hard to come by in leagues, and he's a guy that offers both. And he, even in spring, I think he has like multiple home runs, multiple slow bases while mm-hmm. de- dealing with an injury. Yeah. So the tools are there, but the playing time and opportunity are not. So he's a guy I'm like watching. He, I'm like, I'm like weirdly excited about like deep league guys because I play in such formats. So, right. But right. Um, I think I'm, I'm actually optimistic with Josh Bell too. another name that just popped into my head because we, we haven't seen Josh Bell be Josh Bell since the beginning of 2019. 
he's on he's on a team with a winning mindset right but something worth noting is how well zimmerman has hit in spring yeah. and first base oh, could turn to a platoon now because i believe bell's weak side is against left-handed pitching so you got 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 to watch that. I got to go like I go see we should go I should look up splits right now. The splits matter here. But yeah, at least just handedness. Like you don't even have to look up the splits for some guy or for like in general, I feel like. So like, if we're looking up uh you know Josh Bell, well, Zimmerman's a righty, right? Zimmerman's a righty. Josh Bell is a switch hitter. But I believe mm. yes, and I and here it is. Um Josh Bell oh, yeah, a career 271. Yeah, right. Career Josh Bell's a career 271 hitter and I'm sure I can't get the advanced stats right now, but Going off the baseline stats, he just he hits. You can just tell he hits right-handed p- pitching better. And Zerman crushes left-handed pitching. Has like six home runs or five home runs yeah. this spring. That could easily be a platoon to start the year because yeah. there's no DH in the, okay. in the NL. Don't like are, that. Are, are you? Yeah. If you're if you're looking at the semi-advanced stuff, um, and some people who are smart will yell at me, but because uh, OPS is, doesn't actually mean anything. It's like, it literally doesn't have a unit. It's a weird stat. But yeah, he had like a 1,000 OPS versus righties in 2019 and a 761 OPS versus lefties in 2019. So if, like, there you yeah. go. And looking at, again, look, just looking, let's, let's look at WRC plus for Josh Bell. Josh Bell, 121 WRC plus career against righties, 91 against lefties. The problem is, is being a 91, having a 91 WRC plus against lefties isn't bad, no, in my opinion. Right. It's not legal. I mean, for first base, it's not great, though. Yeah, and that's, that's true. The thing. It's like you can always find a right-handed first baseman just, who can play. But it's only you know, part of the equation. It's yeah. not yeah. That's not his whole year. And yeah. but, and on top of that, I mean, like, he has really good, really good, bad, uh, really good, uh, I can't talk, walk rates and K rates against him. Like, Josh Bell is just a stud when it comes to plate discipline. But at least that's not, like, terribly, like, we're talking a 21.5% strikeout rate against lefties, 10.4% walk rate. So even though he's not like WRC plus is just below league average at 91, at least he's still doing good things against them. So well, it's not mm-hmm. like he's an, it's not like he's an overall terrible. And hitter, in a weekly lineup, you can, if he's facing a lefty or two in a week, you that'll can still sustain trust you. And hopefully then he mashes the righties. But yeah. Ryan Zimmerman's really intriguing against lefties and daily. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody because. Mm-hmm. Because man, oh, I just wish they, I wish I know how the DH would all figure itself out. But yeah, yeah. well, we're we're gonna get to that in a, in our next segment. Oh jeez, um, Alex, is there a player that you're particularly looking for here? Maybe along these same lines that you're interested uh, dudes, in how the season's gonna go? Yeah, dudes with uh, interesting like playing time questions. I typically tend towards the well preseason. I don't want to care at all about anyone who's going to have any uh, job security questions. So a dude that I know that uh, Mike and I both love is Josh Naylor um, because he does not have those questions and he is good at baseball. Um, And (laughs) there are not a ton of people on that Cleveland roster that I would uh, give that tagline of good Mm. at baseball to. Um, We'll we'll talk about like potential like uh, position battles. Jake Bauer is is apparently the first baseman for them, despite just having a... (laughs) Terrible Hands career. head bad um, <laughs> spring. And they're like, you know, you're still going to be our first baseman. Um, that's because he had, he had no options left and they're so cheap. They don't want to risk losing them. And yes. Bradley had one option left. How, how sad is that? That's, that's where is. that business of baseball thing comes to play. Yeah, that I always is, like to talk about. This is where I like to remind everyone that uh, the Cleveland baseball team is owned by the Dolans, the same people who own the uh, New York Knicks. Um, Ugh. and, uh, stupid runs, uh, deep there, it seems. Um, so that said, um, I really like Josh Naylor's combination of having skill in literally every area other than running fast, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like he might hit what fifth is that? That's what I'm seeing from roster resources. Is that fifth also like sixth, roughly? Yeah, yeah. That should be about where he's hit, hitting. Yeah. And he's a guy who like makes a ton of contact. So he might get like a ton of RBI opportunities, um, and you know, actually be able to like put some limit. No, if he's grounding in the double plays, it'll be bad. But like, still, like being in a position where he's going to be able to pick up counting stats because he'll have full time playing opportunity and like pretty okay lineup opportunity and you know actual skills. Like, I love that combination of things. Just as like a hey, I'm watching baseball, not just looking at stat cast sliders. Way of like <laughs> um, capitalizing on information. Um, you know, knowing about things like that is just as important as knowing how much like raw talent someone has. And I think that Naylor has a ton, like the, his combination of like really, really, really high contact rates. We're talking like into the nineties in zone contact last year, uh, along with like actually putting the ball into play quite a bit hard as well. Like mm. he's a guy who was like 70th percentile in hard hit per PA last year, which is um, good. 
be better. <laughs> Just, um, it's a good so, number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm really, really excited to see um, how he takes off and how much egg ends up on my face because he's in like literally every team I own. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I literally have 100% roster sh- uh, shares of uh, Savale, so not the same position, but the same team and yeah. a guy that I won't quit. But Naylor, he's uh, yeah, and he's struggled this spring, so that's not encouraging. But I like to bank on somebody who has the track record of hit tool that Josh Naylor has, mm-hmm. and I'm willing to, again, be raw as well. I'm just hoping that he's not selling out for power. That's the only concern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, is if he goes into that, like, let's sell out for power. But Josh Naylor has two stolen bases and two home runs in spring. There you go. The Indians yeah. do like the run, 30 right? season. Here we come. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> While batting 195. Let's do it. <laughs> I want to ask... 100 points higher, by the way, if it's worth anything. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to ask a question that's maybe a little bit of the inverse of what we've been talking yeah. about. What about guys like Brian Hayes and Jose Ramirez who are kind of really good baseball players surrounded by a lineup that might not have quite as many really good baseball players in it? How do we approach that? When it comes to Hayes in particular, I think, okay, so the Pirates as a whole, I actually just tweeted this, so I don't know if this happened to be because I tweeted it, but good no. timing. Again, wow. I was just talking about how we overreact and are, we need to stop with this whole fade the Pirates because they're bad thing. First off, plate appearances matter. Plate, yep. plate uh, and job security matters. And what you're getting with the Pirates and a few of their guys, Adam Frazier at the top of the lineup, Brian Hayes in the middle, and Brian Reynolds in the three spot. First off, Frazier and Reynolds aren't bad. They're actually yeah. pretty solid players. So mm-hmm. Hayes has that quote-unquote lineup protection, I think, more so than people might want to give him credit for. And then you have Gregory Polanco, who showed uh, skill improvement last year, has had a strong spring. He's going to be batting fourth or fifth as well. Mm-hmm. And then Kevin Newman, he was a thing two years ago, so maybe he could be a thing again. <laughs> I'm not going to hold my breath on Kevin Newman, but my point is those good players on bad teams aren't always fades because, again, I just mentioned what four guys that all have played up. Uh, they're going to have at-bats. They're going to have – Guaranteed playing time, and they're going to have uh, – it's just it's being overblown. I forgot the last half. That's why I skipped it. <laughs> but they're going to – my point is that it's overblown. And then on top of that, look at that division. Name yeah, a good pitcher. Yeah, yeah. I can't name a good pitcher off the top of my head. Jake Arrieta. For a dollar. Oh, I'm sorry? Name a pitcher. <laughs> yeah, we can name a pitcher, but think about the Central. This is the NL Central is – other than Woodruff, Burns, and, like, those guys. Yeah. And even yeah, then, the Cubs, it's like – Yeah, who's the, the guy that Nevers in on now? Did you guys – did you see that today? Oh, Ausley? Nick, yeah, 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 yeah. That was a great clip. I just need to bring up the clip. That's all. Because he just did like one of those, just, like, oh, yeah, like, it blew like, his mind. It was just, awesome. Yep. I think I might be in on him. That was great. <laughs> it was a good moment. It was a very Nick Pollock moment. But going back to the, just the power specifically, again, that division. So it's like we're over here, over, over, just overly concerned over something that might, it's like a narrative that might not really even be a narrative. And that goes right into the Indians. Now, it, it could be team specific. But the Indians, we just talk about Josh Naylor. We believe in Josh Naylor. At least we, as in Alexander and I, believe in Josh Naylor. <laughs> and that's about like I think they have five the good batters. Yeah, like, I think yes. I mean, if, if if Jimenez shows to be the hitter we think he could be, he'll mm-hmm. he'll move up and, and add some prote- protection. Cesar Hernandez will get on base plenty. His OBP, he's always a solid OBP guy. And then you like we talked about oh, Fran Mill, big power behind yep, him. Yep. And well, there's one more. There has to be somebody I'm missing that's obvious. Uh, but, Eddie Rosario. Eddie Rosario. There you go. Who's struggled a little bit, but it's still Eddie Rosario. My point is, is I think again, people are just over, just there. And then look at the division outside the White Sox. Yep, the Twins are not bad, but they're, last year they kind of showed that they were like a league average offense. Pitching is going to be solid though, probably. So that's all yeah, they care I, about. I think they've got. They don't have any like aces that I wouldn't start against. Uh, I mean, like I love Maeda, but I would still start people against Maeda yeah. potentially. I mean, the Tigers, um, the Royals, they don't have much. Nope. nope. Well, that's so kind again, of the theory behind what Cleveland did, right? Is why spend fifty extra million dollars if we can probably spend less and and make the playoffs, right? Give away fifty million in Lindor and make the playoffs, probably. Yeah, yes. right, right. All right, <laughs> we um we're we're running a little bit short on time here, and I do want to get Sorry. your opinion on a couple more things. Oh no, that's not your fault. <laughs> no, it is, is. I'm I'm a talker. Nah, this is what we do every every time, every week. Um, but I do want to get your take on a couple of things. We do two segments uh, at the end, and we haven't gotten to both in a long time, and we're going to make it happen tonight. Okay. Uh, we have a pass-fail segment where we look at something and kind of decide, are we giving it a pass or a fail? And I think I know where you're going to land on this because you already mentioned it, but I'll, I'll throw it out to both of you, and that's the, the universal DH. Is that a pass or a fail for you guys? Uh, it's not happening. <laughs> not this year. I mean, no, not necessarily. Is it going to happen? But like, is this something you want or like, Oh yes. Okay. Yes. I do want it. I'm sick of seeing hit pitchers get hurt running the bases. I'm sick of Zach gallon stress fracturing his 
yeah. crazy bone in his arm because he's swinging a bat. I know there's a lot of purists out there that hate it. I get it, but I just I'm so sick of seeing good pitchers get hurt. And look, we never saw Jimmy Nelson return to that potential form that he showed after diving back to a base right. and straining his shoulder. I don't want that anymore. I think it's bad for pitchers. Pitchers are different animals this year or this day and age, I should say. They're right, treated definitely. differently. Injuries matter a lot more than I think they ever had because it affects their velocity and things that it never really might have maybe never had that type of effect on in the past. And by past, I mean 20 years ago or so, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. My point is, is I'm just sick of seeing pitchers get hurt at this point. Yeah, yeah. Alexander, where are you on, on this? Um, well, a thing that I did last year, um, before the pandemic is I wrote an article, uh, that was like the pitchers who rake preview. And it was one of my favorite <laughs> dumb things I ever got to write. Cause it was like this tongue in cheek preview of all of the pitchers who would ever like hit a home run or barreled a baseball. Um, Mad Bum and, like, and Grinky are like the only two that come to mind right away. <laughs> um, it, Mike Stanton, right? He was a guy. Mike Stanton? Is that like Giancarlo Stanton's pitcher alter ego? Mike Stanton (laughs) was also a catcher for the Yankees for a while. Am I thinking the wrong name? Oh, it's a Braves pitcher I'm thinking of right now. Never mind. Um, Maybe it's a different guy. So it's really funny. It's it's like the the Braves on Twitter, like their fans will do this thing where it's like someone hashtag loves hitting. But like if you capitalize it wrong, it's it's fun. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I know like the, the whole point was like the number of pitchers who like had a positive WRC plus uh league wide like not like above average positive yeah not um, was negative. like really low <laughs> um i think uh brault uh whatever his first name is beautiful hair um had a barreled home run in course so that meant that he had more barrels um than the rockies catcher that year um but yeah no like <laughs> it was pathetic it was just straight up hilariously pathetic how bad pitchers were at hitting um i think the cover art was um thor and it was like you know like like a 40 percent strikeout rate and like it's just bad <laughs> and um the question really is is like how much does it make the game better if in the sixth and eighth inning you get mike brousseau to come off the bench for your team to hit you know people also are worse when they are pinch hitting that's another mm-hmm. thing is like like people aren't as effective hitters when they're pinch hitters uh, so like yeah if, if you want to play the platoon stuff and like take jock peterson out of your lineup to put someone else in there late in the game like you can still do that if it's not in the pitcher's lineup spot um, <laughs> yeah you're not hamstrung off your bench just because it's not it's not yeah, a, yeah. Yeah, a double Arguably, switch you know like because you aren't doing all those double switch things you have more opportunities to make these choices you can do more platoons and you can put people who are good at playing baseball into your lineup more often and i think that's a really important thing to want to do um, to give people more pathways to becoming interesting and niche baseball players. Uh, you know, cause I think that's like the thing that I love most is people who have found just a really ridiculous way to like make a living in the league um, and forcing pitchers to hit. If the MLB does its job properly, probably the MLB PA does its job properly. Like that takes away opportunities. If the players association sees a pathway for like, okay, we're going to take that extra, like, DH spot, and we're going to let dudes like Nelson Cruz exist, but we're also going to let dudes who, like, you know, are built like Aaron Judge but also can't run. Like, I want dudes <laughs> like that hitting. Uh, I want every possible person who can be a positive contributor to have a role in the league. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, the DH makes that more possible. Yeah, I think you both hit the nail on the head uh, in terms of why I, I really want it. One is pitcher safety, and uh, the other is the games are not better because pitchers are hitting, in my opinion. So uh, that wasn't super interesting because we all agree with each other, but uh, I think it's I think it's a good thing to talk about. All right, and the last thing we're going to do here is is uh, something we call off the books, which is just kind of a, a topic that's not necessarily related to our central question. And I think it'd be interesting to get your take on this. Um, during spring training, you collected all of the data, and there's all the lineups, right? And then they're going to be introducing a new ball on day one of the new season. So what's the impact there? How do, first of all, how do you feel about the new ball, and how do we maybe use the data from spring in a meaningful way if there's going to be a new ball? Didn't we have mixed reports about some teams not even using the new ball in spring and other teams getting it? And were there? there like a well, that's I what I had know. read was that they weren't unveiling it until until opening day. But I mean, it would be totally on brand for MLB to have shipped like a box of the new balls <laughs> to the to the spring training <laughs> facility, right? So that's why it's like I don't know. But uh, even if they haven't, 
I honestly am kind of a fan of the idea of deadening the ball a little bit, or yeah, deadening the ball because I would like to see more of old baseball come out. The three true outcomes really annoys me. Like yes, I enjoy Mike, home runs. Mike, I'm so glad you're on our podcast. Most people argue with me about this at nauseum. I am, so, yeah, and and I know Alex is going to chime in here, but I am with you 100. percent I'd love to see a little bit more. It's not going to take away the Web Aaron Gems. Judge blast, right? He's still going to knock the thing out, out of the park. But I, I miss a little bit of that station to station baseball and an exciting inning that lasts for 10 or 15 minutes. My big thing is it'll help get rid of the shift because hitters are going to have to hit to the opposite side of the field again. Like it's gonna, yeah. it's gonna cause people to be better hitters. Like, so. My big thing is, like, I'm not against three true outcomes players because they're taking advantage of the way the rule books were written. But we have to be really careful that when we rewrite the rule book, that we don't do it in a way that's going to, like, unintentionally screw with stuff. If you only change the ball and suddenly um, balls are dying in the air, well, what are pitchers going to do? They're going to try to turn hitters into that, even if hitters aren't trying to be that. Like... Um, so let's say you get a bunch of people, like people who are trying to be Robbie Ray, basically who come up, who are like, I don't care if I give up a bunch of deep fly balls, I'm going to be gunning for strikeouts that my arsenal really isn't capable of getting. And the, the net result maybe doesn't change a whole lot. The batters aren't trying to be Joey Gallo, but the pitchers are trying to turn them into Joey Gallo. So you got to make like other things that are just going to change everybody all at once. Like, you know, moving the mound, I think is a reasonable suggestion if that's your goal. Um, or like, I think some other interesting things could happen where like when you install humor or it's not in like the way that deadens the ball that like, but that like helps kind of like make tackier baseballs. So you can get people to throw some different stuff. That's like, um, harder to hit. You know, I like strikeouts. Um, but a really cool thing they could do is like they, they make it so that pitchers can get more spin, but like then move the bell back. Uh, so you get some like nastier looking pitches that you might maybe get a little more time to read or I don't know. There are a lot of different things that they can be trying out. But uh, I think that we, just as long as we're playing with things in a way that like creates a baseball that is aesthetically pleasing because it's the smart thing to do and not just because you've banned doing the smart thing, I think is probably what I'm in favor of. So like my only real strong opinion is like banning the shift is stupid. Anything other yeah, than oh, that. Yeah, I'm yeah, not. Yeah. Don't ban. No, don't ban something because play, because teams found a way to c- combat something that other players have learned to do. The idea is it's it's a game of chess. You have to adapt. You have right. to be able to change things on the fly. Deading the, when I think of a dead baseball, though, I, I'm not thinking of guys like you mentioned. Aaron Judge is still going to hit Aaron Judge home runs. Right. Yankee Stadium short porch is still going to be short porch home runs. You're going to get those. It's going to it's going to make guys like Oscar Mercado. I mean, he got sent down, so he's not going to do anything right now. <laughs> but a guy like him, I think he came up hit like what 12 to 15 home runs in 2019. Like that shouldn't happen. That's not his profile. Yeah. So a guy like him should be more of a slap ball hitter. Nick Madrigal. He becomes more valuable in fantasy because with less home runs being hit, there's like get, getting a guy who's going to hit for a good average and be a good hitter. That's valuable. So right. like zero home run guys, because like, it adds to the fantasy player pool a little bit too. Looking at it beyond just a baseball standpoint, it could help, you know, make the player pool for fantasy be more, a little more interesting. Luis Arias, these guys that are zero uh, home run guys suddenly have more value because now there's a lot less home runs being hit. And I'm not, trust me, I love home runs. I love, there's nothing like a good crack of the bat ball flies. I love that. But I also love the idea of having more real, like, I don't know, I feel like baseball, three truck homes isn't terrible, but I'd rather have a little more, like, I miss the web gems. We still get them, but I feel like it's just not the same. That It's like people are just so, like, oh, home run or bust. I, I like I like players. I don't know. I like the whole game. I, like the, I just miss that rawness of the game. I feel like we don't have any. One of the things that I, I like, the way I try and say it is I think there's less sustained excitement in the game. Yeah, that could be it. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, Eugenio Suarez is not going to play shortstop in a league where the shortstop actually has to field any balls of any sort. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's be clear here. Um, I, I feel like that's going to be a thing where like I tweeted or I posted in like the pitcher list discord where it was like, yeah, there's no way that he actually sticks here. They're just pre- prepping for an emergency. And it's like, nope, they're going to go for it. He's going to play shortstop he just needs in to a get game that games. counts. <laughs> <laughs> a game that counts. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're going to stick um, with that terminology. Yes. Yes, yeah, we are. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, listen, uh, I hate to be the bearer of bad news for everybody, but uh, we have come to the end of this episode. Mike, uh, we're going to have to have you back real soon, man. This has been a blast. Uh, It blows me away how much you know without having to look it all up. 
Um, you're, like I said, one of the hardest working guys in the biz. So uh, I know this might actually take a few minutes, but why don't you go ahead and tell the people where they can find you? Um, we know that you're very active on Twitter, but what are some of the other things? Plug your stuff. Oh, man. Um, it's, it's like you said, it's a little bit of everything. Um, right now, it's the lineup tracker, but that's going to be coming to a stop. But the lineup coverage will not. I will still be continuing a weekly article, which, again, I'll tweet it out. It'll be on Rotoballer. Um, so the, the weekly article will be all things lineups, you know, trends, quotes, player performances. It'll help prep you for fab and weekly lineups more than, as well. So that's the part I'm most excited about because that's my in-season content as well as um, the weekly podcast that'll probably pretty much be an audiobook version on the Basis Loaded Pod. You can find that. Um, you also, I work over, I do some work over at Prospects Live, trying to get more into the prospect side of things, learning more because the eye test is so important. I think the numbers mm-hmm. have kind of taken away from the eye test. So I want to bring myself back into the eye test by doing prospects. And it's a good way of meshing the eye test with numbers and it helps you analyze the pro side of the game better because you know what good looks like now. Because you definitely at prospecting, you definitely understand what bad looks like. But um, <laughs> other than that, though, um, again, I just I don't know, man. Honestly, I, I haven't really decided what I'm gonna do in season other than that stuff. So although that sounds like a lot, I have a lot going on. I tend to find myself getting into more stuff. So we'll see what happens. The hitter streaming chart, I'm still leaning. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna do. So you'll see that on Twitter as well. Again, at Mike underscore Curlin is where you can find me and all my work. All right. Well, we know where we can find Mike. Alex, can you tell the people where they can find us? Well, they can find you on Twitter at the corked mat i'm on twitter at chase underscore rate and most importantly you can find our podcast on twitter at dugout study hall where you can send us some questions please be sure to subscribe to the pitcherless podcast feed if you haven't done that already leave us a good review if you can be so kind and if you're not already please consider becoming a pl plus member so that you can harass us on the pl discord and that's it for me All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time.